Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoma's Oklahoma State football podcast. As always, I am Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh. We are here again on a Tuesday night at Stone Cloud Brewing Company, 917 South Husband in Stillwater. Uh, really looking forward to having some some folks that come out here and join us one of these Tuesday nights. Maybe. Really hope it uh, hope we can make it happen. We're going to keep pushing it. We absolutely People are going to come join us eventually. That's exactly right. It's not if they build it, they will come. Maybe we're building the podcast and exactly. they're going to come. That's exactly right. Even if you don't come to join us on a Tuesday night, a lot of cool stuff going on here at Stone Cloud. So much stuff they had to write it on a piece of paper for me because <laughs> I couldn't remember it all. Mike McClure and the Red Dirt Rangers are here on September 24th. Code Shirley is here on September 27th. And the Oktoberfest party benefiting the Humane Society of Stillwater, October 1st. That includes Stein Hoist, German music, and, of course, delicious beer. Buffalo Jones and the Herd performing at 7 p.m. I wish that we were not in Waco for right? that. We're going to be in Waco for that one, We are. We'll be, uh, we'll be on the road uh, But you should come out on and join it because this place is fantastic. Right. They've exactly. got live music back there tonight as well. But Yes. Uh, fantastic. Come out and join them if you're not in Waco. Yes. Uh, as always, we want to remind you to be subscribing to the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State football uh, newsletter. I almost forgot the word. Their newsletter is what it's called, the Oklahoma State Sports Minute. Be sure that you're uh, going over to Oklahoma.com, checking that out. Uh, we appreciate everybody who does that. Thank you for uh, following us along on the podcast, whether you're an Apple subscriber or whatever you might be to get your podcast or checking us out on YouTube. We appreciate all the uh, all the folks that are enjoying the podcast this year. It's been uh, it's been a fun year so far for the podcast. Lots of new stuff, lots of crazy stuff, but definitely enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's all new. Yeah. Uh, we're what week 4 technically the season. It's a bye yeah. week, but here we are. We've got uh, what eight nine more weeks, nine yeah. more weeks of this, Something right? Like that. So exactly. Uh, yeah, we'll be out here every Tuesday. All right, well, uh, well, let's get started. You got you got a big glass today. <laughs> I went big. What you uh, what you drinking there, you Jacob? You know, I went big and I went spicy. Ooh, because Mike Gundy went big and yes, spicy today about the bedlam stuff, which we will get to. Um, but I'm drinking the Hatch 22. Um, it's got Hatch chili peppers in it. Um, it is excellent. It's a lager. It's wonderful. It's got a little spice, and I love it. Very nice. I uh, I, I went with the Journey Home. A, right. uh, a rotator here at, at Stone Cloud. Uh, my first time ever drinking a wild ale. Yeah. I did not know what I was getting myself into, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been fantastic so far. Very sour. Yeah. Uh, if you like sours, uh, highly recommend it. So uh, so check that out. Going to enjoy that here as, uh, as the evening goes on. So um, now if you finish that, we need to pause. I can, uh, I can, uh, you know, I can stall for a few it's, minutes while you yeah. go, while you go reload. You'll see if, back there reloading in the yeah, background exactly. here. It's, it's, it's a bye week. It is. All bets are off. Exactly right. So we're going we're gonna to have a little fun tonight. Well, Jacob, it was a uh, calm, lazy Tuesday afternoon. We were driving up here to Stillwater, thinking <laughs> our day was mostly over. Going to visit yeah. with Mike Gundy and a few players, and um, we had no idea what was in store for us <laughs> when uh, when we arrived. None. To uh, and and really nine tenths of the way through our interview with Mike Gundy, we still had no idea yeah. what was in store for us until the uh, the big finale when he finally gets asked about. The uh, the uh, once again repeated death of Bedlam. Of course, Mike's been telling us about this since last November. Yes, he was the first one really uh, publicly to come out and say, "Listen, this isn't going to work. It's not going to be able to, to happen." Um, you know, and uh, you know, Chad Weiberg has has said similar things. Um, it's just uh, it's it's not a matter of whether they want to or not. It's just logistically very difficult. Um, which I'm, I I wrote a story about for. Uh, Wednesday's paper. Had to remember what day it was. Um, for Wednesday's paper, it'll be online probably tonight, sometime Tuesday night. So you can go check that out. Jacob wrote about everything that Mike Gundy had to say, which is what we're about to get into. Yes. Um, because he was asked about it, and he came prepared. Jacob, he he did his homework. 
I mean, he's done his homework on this. He's known all about it. But he shows up with a handwritten note in his back pocket. He stops himself and says, hold on, I got some notes. I got some notes here. I got to read. Begins quizzing us almost. Like, it wasn't right. a quiz. It's more of a challenge. Like, I'm going to read some statements off this. If it's inaccurate, if it's false, stop me. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted us to stop him if it was fake. Yeah. And, and we couldn't we couldn't stop him. No. I mean, that we know of. That's the thing. We, I mean, what we know of. All right. We couldn't say that's not true. Um, but it was fascinating. He kept going and going and going about how this is more, in his view, this is more about OU leaving than anything to do with OSU. Right. It's all scheduling is the issue. That's right. why there's no more bedlam in the future. But right. this he feels like the finger's being pointed at OSU more than it is OU when OSU really had nothing to do with OU deciding to leave the conference. Right. And he pointed out the fact that during all the, the conversations prior to OU's decision, Bedlam wasn't a conversation topic. No. There was no concern about the future of Bedlam when they were signing on for whatever kind of no. dollar figure is, is in the future yeah. at, at, in, the, in the SEC. And he's, he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's been interesting to see the dynamic because OU officials were quick to come out and say, yeah, we want to keep playing this without really offering an idea of how to make right. it happen. And not to get too buried in the numbers, but um, you know, digging into the future schedules and looking at what is under contract for OSU in particular – Assuming that they that their scheduling philosophy stays the same, where they play nine conference games, one power five in the non-conference, and then two lower-level opponents, assuming that stays the way it is and has been for a while, there's only 2030 and 2031 mm-hmm. where Oklahoma State doesn't have a power five opponent contracted for a non-conference game between now and 2038. So the possibility of working Bedlam in there Either both schools would have to change their scheduling philosophy, or they'd have to spend a lot of money breaking contracts. Yes. Or they're just going to have to live with with what it is. Um, 2031 would be the only year that both teams currently don't have a Power 5 opponent on their non-conference schedule already under under contract. And neither team is going to, or neither administration is going to agree to playing just one game. Yeah, no. It's going to be a home and home. Exactly. So uh, so that's that's not going to work. You know, by the time we get to 2038, and, and Chad Weiberg pointed this out when I spoke to him earlier today, everything with college football and college athletics is so fluid right now, mm-hmm. it's impossible to predict where things are going to sit five years from now. Yeah. And then you're looking at, at, you know, still a decade away from having an opening to try to play this game. Things could change so much between now and yeah. then. And, um, and, and on that line, think about what OU just had to do. They had just had to right. cancel some of their games because they're going to the SEC. Exactly. Because they had SEC opponents on home and homes. So they've had to cancel that. They scrambled to find SMU for next year and what the year after, maybe? I can't remember the exact details right. on that. But that's I mean that's that's the risk in this. So if OSU they don't want to break contracts. Oh, you right. don't want to break contracts. What do you do? Right. You just move on. Yes. Exactly. And that's uh, and that's where this stands and it's 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 very evident in the tone that Mike Gundy used. And he was more direct than anybody has been on yes. the OSU side about this. But Chad Weiberg's tone in, in discussing it with me earlier today on the phone, um, you know, they're annoyed that, that OU's side of this is playing the card of, yeah, we want to we wanna keep playing Bedlam, yeah. but not saying, you know, here's what we're willing to do to make it happen. And, uh, you know, that paints OSU in the kind of the scapegoat mm-hmm. uh, model. And uh, obviously – 
Mike Gundy is very frustrated by it because yeah. that was uh, the exact point he was making that if oh if OU cared that much about Bedlam, they would have done something yeah. other than go to the SEC without OSU, and they didn't. And there's you know Mike Gundy's not at least he says no hard feelings, right? Yeah, um, he understands that it's about money and and that's what it's about. So it's understandable. Um, other uh, childish discussions was my favorite. That was line the best. Yes, that he dropped out. Anything discussions. else? Anything else that stuck out to you from that story? Uh, you know, I think, um, man, there was some other stuff. He called Josie out by name, Joe Casiglione. Thought it was interesting. It wasn't mm-hmm. harsh, right? No, he just said said he's friends with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else stood out to me on that. Just just the naming off the facts of right. the money, and then even the TV thing that. But basically, he doesn't see that happening either. The TV's going to come and force the hand right. of either school to make this happen. And I thought that was interesting. He doesn't think that's going to happen either. Right. Um, and so I just think this – and he's ready to let it die. He's just ready to let Bethlehem yes. die. He thought it – I think he legitimately thought he's answered this question. And <laughs> right. it's dead. And he thought yes. this, this rivalry is dying. It's over. It's on its last breath. And now it was like resuscitated for, I don't know, a minute, I right. guess. And yeah. then – he says now it's over. I think he's ready to move on. That's what really kind of said to me. He's ready to move on. He said it this is the last statement he hopes he has to make on this. And so I can't really blame him because he's talked about it so much. He talked about right. it in the week of Bedlam last year. And then Big 12 Media Days, I felt like that's almost all he was asked there about. There were a lot, a lot of questions about and it. And I think he got tired of it. And mm-hmm. I think he felt like he answered it adequately then. And now all of a sudden it comes back up that this is officially official. And it's done. And so... I think that's what that's what I noticed. Right, and and again, the whole thing that started this today throughout the day was Brett McMurphy's story mm-hmm. for Action Network, where he talked to Joe Castiglione and Chad Weiberg, and basically got them both saying, "Yeah, we're not gonna we're not not gonna be able to to continue this for several years at least." Basically, is kind of the tone of it, and um, it didn't feel like there was any revelation in what was no. in what was written today. Um, so it was. Uh, it felt odd, at least from our vantage point, yeah. having been there every time Gunny has talked about this, to be to be writing about it again. It just, or it just having to ask finally about it someone with the power to say it's done, to say it's done. Right. Yeah. That's what was the revelation was. It was finally someone, both sides admitting it's done. Right. Exactly. So, um, and, you know, I, I hear a lot on the fan side, people talk about OSU doesn't want this to continue they don't want to play bedlam anymore maybe they do maybe they don't yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter what they want mm-hmm. it's it's not about what you want at this point it's reached yeah uh, well beyond that it's it's about money and the logistics of actually making it happen i mean i think and i i sort of touched on this in in my story that i think the best chance that this that this series is reborn is if the twelve-team playoff changes some things yes. in how teams view strength of schedule. Now you're not looking at your schedule thinking, "Oh, we have to go undefeated to get to right, yeah. the championship." Now it's it's you know we've got to position ourselves to be the best one-loss team or the best two-loss team to get into uh, into a twelve-team playoff. Mm-hmm. It changes the dynamic entirely, and strength of schedule I think is going to matter at that point. Maybe it re- reaches the point that programs are willing. To put two power fives on the non-conference. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know for sure that's going to happen, but I could see it. Here's another way to play off. What if they have to play in the playoff? Oh, wow. How fun would that you be? You know, I mean, what if it's a first-round game? Right. 
Someone like a, five, has, a five twelve game. Yeah, in the first you, round? someone has to go. You know, t- you know, OSU has to go to Norman or OU has to come here for a playoff game. Right? Can you imagine that? Oh my goodness! I mean, that's going to be insane. It absolutely would. I mean, last year here in Stillwater was nuts. Yes. And this year will be crazy too in Norman. But in playoff, when there's a right. season on the line, that's yeah. that could be another fun way to see it happen. Wow, that would be wild. Yeah. That would be uh, that would be insane. I mean. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. The the higher the stakes get, the the bigger it would be. Yeah. But but to have it be like a five twelve or a, a yeah. you know whatever in that first round on on campus here in the in the yeah. state would be pretty ridiculous. They haven't played in a few years, and all right. of a sudden you got that right. back like that. That's yeah, that's big time. Exactly. Could uh, could get interesting. Um, anything else from uh, from from Gundy's conversation that we uh, that um. we need to need to touch on i think we hit it all pretty well i think we hit that pretty well um he said other things about non-bedlam stuff that was somewhat interesting but it's a bye week they're practicing um he liked the young guys um you know i think he was impressed with with stefan johnson jr which we can mm-hmm. get more into that later but right um you know that's kind of i think bedlam was just the huge takeaway i i didn't expect much out of it because he's talked about it so much and he really surprised me he starts pulling out notes and seeing scribbled writing on there and stuff from where i was standing it was it was pretty impressive yeah i it was one of those things you knew the question was coming yes and i think we were all waiting for the end to uh to break mm-hmm. it out all of us who were who knew we had to we had yeah. to ask it today uh and props to marshall scott from pistols firing to uh for for actually taking <laughs> the uh taking the heat and asking the question but um we all we all knew it was coming but i think we all fully expected i told you so yeah. and kind of move on down the yeah. road we were not uh, not prepared for for what came next and uh it was pure gold we just i mean you can never expect you have to expect the unexpected from gundy i guess that's, yeah that's, that's, that's you the do. lesson here that's my lesson tonight expect and, the unexpected and it really comes at times that you fully don't expect anything interesting yeah. to happen yeah it, it really does it was you, fun yeah absolutely was all right um well, we got to talk to Brennan Presley, Jason Taylor II, and Preston Wilson. We'll get into to some of those conversations later, but uh, kind of a uh, end of non-conference sort of look back. But first, before we get into that, what did you learn from last Saturday's game against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff? No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, that's <laughs> a, a, a fair answer. Um, I think the young guys are going to be all right. Right. I mean, I know it's Arkansas Pine Bluff right, and a Big 12 team, but – you got to see a lot from Gunnar Gundy, finally. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephon Johnson Jr., like I mentioned, had a really good game at receiver, got a lot of reps. He was the unexpected guy for me. Yeah. He was a guy that I think is easy to kind of forget about, first of all, in this freshman right. class. You've got Talon Shetron, for one, who's highly recruited, committed OU, switched, switched to OSU with his brother. Speaking of Bedlam, that's, yeah. you know, right. that's crazy in itself. But Stephon Jun- Johnson Jr. was a guy who was a late addition to the class. Mm-hmm. Um, originally committed to Oregon, just did all these things that you forget about him. And he came out there and played very well. He played more than Talon, was very reliable. I was impressed with him. That's a guy that I think really stood out to me. And then I think on the defensive side, it wasn't the freshman. You don't get a lot of those freshmen. Mm -hmm. Kendall Daniels got more reps. But I like Ben Kapinski coming out and doing what he did. That was a lot of fun watching him do what he did. Um, And so that's kind of what I took away from it. You get to watch some of those guys grow. Yeah. It was. Uh, Shetron's t- touchdown catch was, was impressive. Seeing Kale Cabinet's score was really yeah. cool. Um, Gunnar Gundy played 
well, better than I really expected him to, honestly. Uh, at one point, he was 12 of 17 for 128 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, just come out and operate the offense, make throws on target, mm-hmm. and uh, and be able to operate the way that he did was uh, was pretty impressive, I thought, regardless of, of who you're doing it against. So that was important, I think, to know where they stand with him in terms of, uh, you know, him possibly getting in the game in a more yeah. serious situation down the road, um, you know. Yeah, defensively, their their backups are are so many guys that are older and been around a while, or at least a couple of years, uh, that there weren't a bunch of true freshmen popping up that you you got real excited about. But um, you know, Cameron Epps was a guy that I was curious about, but they yep. did, they weren't really throwing a ton no. when he was in the game, so it was it was hard to get a good good judge on uh, on any of those guys. But um, yeah, right. I think that's enough about. That game, but yeah. uh, same same question though. Where uh, where do you stand? What do you know new about this program that we didn't know before Central Michigan? Oh man, that I I think I think the defense is going to be all right, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be good. I don't I mean it's, I don't know that it's going to reach the peak level that it reached last year, um, but I think I feel better about where this defense is going than I did entering the Central Michigan game. Yeah. I still have questions about the secondary. Mm-hmm. I'm still a little concerned there. The linebackers have been better than I expected. Right. The defensive front's ridiculously good, which mm-hmm. we expected it to be good, but I think they're a different level than even I expected right yeah. now. Um, the secondary's been been good and, and stuff. They're about to get tested. Um, but I think that's my biggest thing. I think the defense is going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. I don't think it's going to be elite, but I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. There are two two areas where my concerns have kind of flipped, one on each side of the ball, and you alluded to one of them. If you'd asked me before Central Michigan, I would have said linebackers are the biggest concern. Yeah. Secondary is probably going to be okay. Now I'm, I'm kind of reversed on that. I, I feel better about the linebackers uh, than I do about the uh, the mm-hmm. secondary. got more questions in the, uh, the back five than I do of the two guys at linebacker. On the offensive side of the ball, I thought the lack of depth at running back was going to be an issue. Not quite as worried about about that yeah. as I would have been. More worried about the offensive line's ability to block for the run. Yes, uh, their pass blocking has been really good. They've given Spencer Sanders a lot of lanes to throw through, throw to, or run through. But they've uh, they've really struggled in two of the three games to run block well and consistently. Whereas I think they've got I, I think they've got talent at the running back position that they're beginning to trust right now, and I, I think that's going to be a difference maker down the stretch. They've just got to be able to run block a little bit better, and that's going to start with this next game against Baylor because we yeah. saw what Baylor can do up front, and most yeah. of those guys are back. Plus, they had a Jackson player from Tulsa, the uh, the really talented defensive good tackle. Too, yeah. So, yeah. So, all right. Um, let's touch on, uh, touch on kind of what we saw today. Uh, as I mentioned, Brennan Presley, Jason Taylor the second, and offensive lineman Preston Wilson – Preston was probably the most entertaining of the three. Brandon's always fun. Jason's always fun. Yeah. Preston, you, 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 we haven't talked to him enough to know how much fun he could be. Yeah. He was giving us a lot of good stuff, talking about um, you know getting sweaty hands during uh, during games, and Spencer <laughs> Sanders giving him his towel to make yep. sure he doesn't have an excuse right. for a bad yeah. snap. And his seven thousand calories a day. Seven thousand one point to gain weight. Yeah. So I thought seven thousand. My goodness. Said that uh, he ate a, an entire large pizza after practice one day last week, just uh, just working that hard. Now the the whole conversation came up because some of us were asking about the tempo of the offense, mm-hmm. 
how much more running there is. He talked a lot about off-season work and the things that they were doing uh, to get in shape and get prepared to run this offense as fast as they are right now. And, uh, and then the topic of his weight came up because he talked about having to gain weight early in his career and how much he was eating. That's where the 7,000 calories came in. And, yeah, he mentioned that he ate an entire large pizza one day after practice. Uh, so there's days when it's not that easy to, uh, to do all the eating that he has to do to keep his weight on. But I'm trying pretty to get, fascinating. I'm trying to think if I've ever had 7,000 calories in one day in my life. <laughs> trying to think. I mean, I'm, I'm, I could have, I guess. I love good food. Right. And I'll, I'll gorge myself if I'm not careful. But I, 7,000 is a lot. It's a lot of food. I can't I think I'd be in a food coma before then, right? I mean, come <laughs> right? on. I mean, yeah. goodness. And, and, and obviously, it's not just like uh, some grilled chicken and rice. Yeah, that no. He's, he's, I mean, he's eating, he's eating pizza, cheeseburgers, stuff like this. He's what really getting after Where the large pizza it. was from? We should have asked where yeah, it was from. Yeah, I, I had that in my mind, and then so I – Did he get uh, like a hideaway that's kind of a thick, right? meaty pizza? Yeah. Did he get like a, like a thin crust that is like Domino's or something? Right. You know, I mean – Yeah, it's a good question. That's a very We're, good we'll, question. We'll have to follow up on yeah. – uh, on uh, what and where he's ordering from, so. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was that was entertaining. Um, you got to talk to Jackson Taylor the second I did not. Yeah. Uh, how was uh, how was JT today? He was good. Um, you know, I asked him about Bedlam. Speaking of that, and he said, you know, he's he's kind of bummed to see it go, but you know, I think he's he's going to finish his career playing in it. So I don't think he's not too concerned. He said he's got friends at OU and on the team, and um, you know, he's kind of you know become, but he's like it's kind of become our own teams. Like we don't, it's not a rivalry and. Um, so he was good about that, and you know, uh, he, he talked a lot about the secondary and the communication uh, that they've improved on. And he he said he actually kind of expected some issues communication wise, and didn't necessarily surprise him. And but he says it's kind of he says it's like you walk into a new room, a room full of new people that you don't know. So it's kind of what he expected. He says it's getting better, um, you know. So he he was good with that. Um, that's kind of what we focused on a little bit on that was with him was. Was kind of talking about just what, how that secondary has improved, and he likes where the secondary is, um, especially Blake Shapin coming up. He likes where they're at. He also said he doesn't really worry too much about last season's Big 12 title game. He wants to move on, um, isn't too concerned. He knows it's a different team now and you know for both teams, and so um, he wasn't too focused on that in the past either. The communication thing is really interesting because it's such a big deal, and it's easy to forget how much time Colby Harvell Peel mm-hmm. and Trey Sterling, you know, back in the beginning, Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, Tanner McAllister, Jark Bernard Converse, you know, even Christian Holmes, even Christian Holmes for a couple of years, how much they were on the field together, long periods of time, mm-hmm. and and Jason was was a backup during that time, so he was out there too, and he was mixing in, so. There's a lot of time invested in becoming what the secondary was a year ago. And, yes, there was a lot of talent, too. But I think this group has has a decent amount of talent, a pretty solid amount of talent. Yeah. So I, I think that just getting on the same page and understanding where the guy next to you is going to be all the time, Yeah. it's going to take a decent amount of time. And, and I didn't talk to Presley, but also Jason brought this up. Or someone brought it to Jason about who's fastest on the team. Oh, that came I up think, in our I discussion think you were too. Over there too, yeah. So it carried over, mm-hmm. and but Brennan said Braden Johnson, right? Right. Jason doesn't agree. Or Jason says maybe. Yeah. And he and then he did he disagreed on the second fastest because Brennan said himself apparently. Yes. Jason said there's no way, <laughs> no way he's the second fastest. He talked about himself. Mm-hmm. Jason's apparently pretty fast, which he is. 
Um, Thomas Harper. Uh, he brought the secondary. A lot of guys in the secondary, how fast mm-hmm. they are. Apparently, Corey, Corey Black can fly. That was a name that uh, that got mentioned yeah. uh, by, by Brennan. He said he doesn't, he's deceptive because it's just, it's just his form is so perfect, he's fast. Yeah. Um, but Jason basically said the secondary is incredibly fast. He's brought up how fast receivers are and the fastest Casey Dunn's coached in a long time or ever. Right. And Jason says, the secondary is probably faster. <laughs> so which I thought was kind of fun. And so now I want to see him race. He said he has not raced Braden Johnson yet. He's, I think he's wants to or going to. He didn't quite. He wasn't quite specific. But I want to see some races here. I need to see right. some some races. We've had this debate a few years back mm-hmm. with Braden Johnson and Chuba Hubbard. Right. Who was faster. I think Chuba was faster. I think so. But now I'd like to see this debate brought back again and see some races. Right. Carry this over to uh, to my conversations with Brennan Presley. Uh, that was a, a very early question yep. that he got asked, and he said, no doubt, Braden Johnson is the fastest on the team. said he might be the fastest receiver in the Big 12. Um, which I don't know how you judge I, that. I, but sure. But okay. I'll take his word for it. Uh, he did say he was second. He said Corey Black would not be happy to hear him Ooh, say that he was the, okay, that he yeah. was second fastest. I think Corey so, was the first one Jason brought up. Yeah, I could see that. Sounds uh, sounds like he's uh, he, he can move pretty good. Yeah. So, um, which makes I sense. Asked, all the special teams plays he makes, right? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, Brennan, always always fun stuff talking to Brennan because you never never know where the conversation is yeah. going to go. Uh, we did get him talking about uh, Braylon, his little brother, playing in okay. uh, his most significant action to this point yeah. of his career, second game of the year. And, uh, you know, he said they, they talked a little bit, not a lot. So he gave him a little bit of trouble for uh, for having the ball go through his hands and turn into a pick. <laughs> that was but, my next question, if he right? gave him some, some yes. uh, crap for that. Just a little bit, he said. He said he's done it enough times yeah. that he can't, uh, he, he can't <laughs> give him too much crap about that. So, um you know, he talked a lot about the uh, the speed the offense is playing with as well, and the uh, the the value of having so much depth at receiver. Uh, you know that they can go out there and and wear themselves out and and reload and be ready to go again. And their experience, their ability to get lined up, get in the right spot, run the right route really quickly is the biggest key from uh, from the receiver perspective. And I think that's going to be something. I'm I'm going to write about it later this week. I think I think going more four wide, more up tempo is going to be the key for this offense throughout mm-hmm. the course of the year because they're so capable of making plays at the receiver position. Yeah, and it's fast that way. Right. And Spencer plays better that way. I think I think I think you're spot on there. I think that they do that more because they've had success with it. I think they're not showing it as much, maybe in non-conference. But I think I think right. we could see it more. Yeah. Um, they ran four wide. You know, the first half of the uh, Central Michigan game, they were really going up tempo. They were running a lot of four wide. Twenty snaps in the first half of the Central Michigan game when they were really going at a fast pace, scoring like crazy. So a lot of four wide, a lot of up tempo. I think that's going to be something that Casey Dunn relies on a lot this year. The key will be improved run blocking out of that set because the next week against Arizona State, you saw them go to three wide bring in a tight end, try to run the ball a little bit better. And so I think that's going to be the biggest key is that you've got to be able to keep running the ball a little bit to, uh, to keep things balanced. So we'll see what, uh, what direction that goes. But I'm very fascinated by, uh, by that whole aspect of this yeah. offense. All right, anything else that, uh, that jumped out at you from, uh, from player talk today? No, I think, I think that about covers it. We had some fun tonight. We did. It's a bye it, week. You've got to have fun. Right. So I think we had some fun with some exactly. guys. Exactly. We, uh, we absolutely did. All right. Um, 
It's a. Uh, I have. I, I want to talk about the state fair. Uh, this brings uh, the uh, the football portion of the show to a close, as, yeah. as we do here at the end. Kind of kind of venture off into uh, some random things. I went to the state fair with my son uh, actually twice already. Twice already. Yes. I haven't been at all. He's been. Uh, he's I'm not a, sure he's I'm going to make it. This big year. fan of the fair. I'm curious, though, because of where you grew up. What was the state fair like when you were a kid? In Tulsa? Yes. So I went to the Tulsa State Fair. They mm-hmm. call it the Tulsa State Fair, which I never quite understood. Right. The idea that it's the State Fair. Yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. I, I mean, was it was it a big deal? Oh, it's huge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. People get out of school. I, I grew up 30 to 45 minutes north of Tulsa. Right. In the, in the country area, rural area with the Caney Valley High School. Mm-hmm. And people didn't go to school some days. They would just get yeah. the ride passes and they'd go all day. They'd go multiple times. Parents mm-hmm. take them out of school. Was, I never got to do that. Right, but it was huge, and sometimes you get like uh, I know one year I was in the mar- I was in the marching band all you know all through high school, and one year we marched in like the little parade through the through the <laughs> fair, right. so we got to go to the fair for free oh, and nice. just hang out and play all kinds of stuff after doing that. It was just short little one or two songs, and you move mm-hmm. on. And right, it was great. So it was a huge deal, huge deal. You used to go all the time. All right, good yeah. deal. Uh, I grew up in Yukon, obviously a few miles down the road from right, from yeah. State Fair Park. So the uh, the the State Fair in Oklahoma City, yep. always a big deal for us as well. So uh, so with that, uh, rather than doing draft style like we've done the last few weeks with different, different topics, we're going to do uh, three different categories. Get your top answer in, in each one. Okay. Number one, favorite fair food. Oh, man. So if, you, if, if, you're, if I was a little kid, mm-hmm. it would be the Dippin' Dots because they're the ice cream of the future. Ice cream of the future. Dippin' Dots are still the longest line in any event you go to. <laughs> I don't understand it. Some reason it's still the ice from the future. I don't know when right. the future gets here. Yeah, exactly. But I would have said that. Now, I think my favorite thing. I go. I love to go get the deep fried mashed potatoes. Ooh, strong. They are big time. You yeah. go and there's one stand that does it at the, in Oklahoma City, and they do three different kinds. There's like a garlic kind. There's like a bacon kind. It's all mashed potatoes deep fried. It's so good. That's that's that, that's my favorite. That sounds pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um. This isn't mine. Isn't quite that adventurous, and I know there's a lot of adventurous stuff at the state fair. But the, the first place I ever had the chocolate dipped cheesecake oh, man. was at the fair. That's good. And now that's become a uh, yeah. uh, you know I, I I say pretty old school with my yeah. uh, with my fair foods. I'm I'm getting I'm getting me a corn dog. That's I'm getting fair. me a uh, cheese on a stick. Yeah, and we get uh, that too. And it, yeah, the, uh, the 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 chocolate dipped man, cheesecake. That's good. Yeah. My, Big time good. The, the runner-up for me, too, I have to say this, mm-hmm. the barbecue parfait, Ooh. which is mashed potatoes again. Right. I love uh-huh. mashed potatoes at a fair. Apparently so. Mashed potatoes with, like, pork and barbecue sauce and like, corn, all this stuff mixed in like a parfait. It looks like a parfait. It's wonderful. Very nice. All right. I know you're big into the food. That's the, yeah, that's the primary one. reason you go to the fair. Yes. Absolutely. But what is your favorite non-food activity at the fair? Oh man, non-food activity at the fair. That takes out beer, right? Probably okay. so. Yeah, okay. I think we're going to have right. to yeah, I think we're going to have right. to cut beer on this one. Um man, I mean I guess I used to like to go and do the rides and stuff. I don't really mm-hmm. do that anymore, yeah. but I used to love to do that when I was a teenager and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'd go with that. I mean, now I just kind of wander around and try food and mm-hmm. look at all the sites and, yeah. you know, um, I enjoy looking at the new cars, I mm-hmm. guess. And, yeah, that's um, always good. Some of that stuff, uh, some of the cakes or something, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't necessarily, I go for the food, I guess. I don't right. have an answer yeah, like that's a fair. Great for that's my fair. age now. Back, right. then, back in high school and mm-hmm. growing up, it would have been the rides and, right. and doing all that fun stuff. 
What about it, you? It's it's funny. My um, uh, you know, obviously my son is thirteen now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for several years now, I've been going strictly for the rides. That's right. all. That's all we do. Yeah. And uh, my but my thing when I was young, always uh, and and even up into uh, you know my my twenties before I was a father, was the games. Okay. Yeah. I blew a lot of money playing <laughs> those carny games, man. The uh, the uh, horse racing where you roll the golf ball up. And oh yeah. Goes the horse goes however many far you get based <laughs> on the hole. Oh uh, man, I'll I'll sit down and play that thing all day. Shoot a water gun into yeah. a into a target to win me a uh, stuffed animal. I yeah. I came home with so much junk. Oh yeah, so many trash prizes. I did a lot of shopping too. Came up with a lot of shopping junk when you go shopping through the buildings. Mm-hmm, right, kind of that. I'm a sucker for some of that stuff too. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. So now we go. We buy the uh, the wristband to ride all the rides. And uh, if I if I'm lucky, I get to work in one game at the end of the day. Uh, but uh, but that's uh, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Last thing, we'll we'll end with this. Uh, go back as uh, recent or as uh, as far as you want. Favorite fair memory. Favorite fair memory. I don't have a specific thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to love. This is back in the '90s when I was a kid, and go get baseball cards there because really? the Tulsa State Fair and the vendor buildings. There was a lot of booths set up with just baseball cards. Wow! And stuff, people selling cards. That's really cool. Stuff. I never saw that at, at, in Oklahoma City. I loved it. I would go there and I would just load up, and I would spend most of my time there just hanging out, picking out cards, buying packs, opening them, doing stuff. That is my favorite fair memory. And they don't do that anymore because people just don't right. set that stuff up. But yeah. that is what I remember as a kid going and doing that, um, and just getting all kinds of baseball cards there at mm-hmm. the fair. All right, mine. Uh, 1988. I remember the year. Wow, very vividly, um, which would have made me uh, at the time I was nine, getting ready to turn ten. My little brother was five, and uh, we we pulled up to this uh, this one game, and it's one where you had to throw a dart, and there were stars on the wall. Okay, and it was like a, a black outline of a red star, and like if you hit the black, you didn't win. You had to hit in the red, mm. which made it look way bigger than it actually was. Made the target actually look bigger than it was. If you hit the red star, you won this like like two foot tall Spuds McKenzie doll. Spuds was huge at the time. Okay, are you old enough to remember Spuds McKenzie? I don't McKenzie? know Spuds McKenzie. You don't know I'm, Spuds I McKenzie don't, at all. I don't think so. Maybe all right, I do. Well, you're gonna have to Google up Spuds okay. McKenzie when I, we leave. But I, I, I bet if I saw Spuds McKenzie, I'd be like, okay. But yeah. right now, it's not coming yeah. to my head. Um, it was the uh, the uh, uh, spokes dog for Budweiser back in the uh, okay, the, yeah, the mid '80s. Really big, uh, huge deal. Um, but anyway, my family just randomly. We love Spuds McKenzie. He yeah. was he, he was great, and uh, and I I step up there first throw, nail it, win the Spuds McKenzie doll. Oh man, I'm fired up. My five year old brother. Two minutes later, like I am I am am yeah. drenched in joy. I'm elated. My five year I I and I think I'm really damn good at darts because I just <laughs> nailed this thing. Yeah. My five year old brother steps up. They have to stand him up on the table because yeah. he can't even reach over <laughs> to throw. First shot, nails it. He wins Spuds McKenzie too, and I uh, it crushed me just a little bit. Oh, I'm so sorry. I still enjoyed my Spuds McKenzie, and and eventually we both had Spuds McKenzie dolls, and 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 we you know we uh, we bonded over it. But man, I thought I was. Do you so still have good. the Spuds McKenzie I dolls? I, I feel like really, you guys both should still have them. We should. Like, we absolutely should. It it breaks my heart a little bit that we don't. But, uh, that's unfortunate. I went from way up here to yeah. way down here. I was like, seriously, oh, he just man. Like, he can't even throw a baseball yet. Well, he yeah. could. He was five. He yeah. could, but still. 
oh, it was man. really hard for me in my nine-year-old brain yeah. to wrap around like oh. i went from so cool to to not so great oh man that's that that's funny that's good it was uh it was and, rough. and, and i also think of the toll state fair going back to your original question with toll mm-hmm. state fair was like it used to be connected to bells Newsman oh Park. really yeah it was oh, that's like awesome. they connected it and so you got to ride the zingo you got to do the log ride you got to do all these things that's that's also something i think about nice you know that good was stuff fun. good stuff all right well with that i think uh i think that about wraps yeah. us up here at uh at stone cloud want to remind you again of all the cool stuff that they've got coming up here mike mcclure and the red dirt rangers are here at stone cloud in stillwater on september 24th Code Shirley is here on 927, the 27th of September. Oktoberfest party benefiting the Humane Society of Stillwater on October 1st. Going to have Stein Hoist, German music, and delicious beer here at Stone Cloud. Highly recommend just about any beer. I, I haven't found anything I didn't like so no, far. This, this place is excellent. You're not going to find a bad beer. And they've got a German, like a, like a German style beer that, yeah. uh, that, that I've had on, actually, on one of these podcasts, Fest Beer, that. Mm-hmm. You could put in the high in the in the Stein and yeah. and really enjoy. Absolutely, Buffalo Jones in the herd here, October first at seven p.m. for the uh, the Oktoberfest party. So come out, check it out, nine seventeen South Husband here in Stillwater. Come enjoy all the festivities. Great place. We're really loving having our podcast here. Again, we're here on Tuesday nights, uh, roughly seven p.m. about about the time we get fired up and uh, and going. So um, we're always updating on Twitter at Jacob Unruh at Scott Wright. Okay, uh, giving you updates of what time we're going to be arriving and starting. It's usually it's between six thirty and seven yeah. every week. So we'd love to see some uh, some guests come out and uh, some some listeners come out and join us uh, one of these nights. That would be a lot of fun. So. Um, well, with that, is that uh, is that everything? I think so. We wrap it all up. I think all right. so. Yeah. Good deal. Well, that'll do it for this week. Again, no uh, no game this week, so no post game podcast. So the next time we talk to you will be next Tuesday, coming uh, to you from here at, at Stone Cloud. So thank you to uh, the folks at Stone Cloud. Thanks to Addison for her editing work to put all this together, and thank you for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles podcast.